This podcast is presented to you by Pastor Derek Armstrong and Word of Grace Community Church. For more information, please visit WOGCC.com. Good morning, church. Excited that you're here today because we've been in this series called Simple Church, and I believe that today is going to be a great day because God has just put so much on my heart to share with our church family and a stuff that's actually been brewing in my heart for a little over a year, things that the Lord has just been doing in me, things that he's been showing me that I just can't wait to share with you and show you so far as we move forward, just really clarifying and drilling down and identifying what's important. Because what we say is important, is a lot of times it's not very reflective in how we act or how we structure our lives. And then the same is true of church. A lot of times churches will say what's important to them. But you can tell what's important by what we put our time on, what we, what we put our emphasis on. And I want for Word of Grace and what God has called us to do to be the same thing that God says is important to Him when it comes to this thing we call church. Amen? I want it to be the same thing. I want it to line up with what God says. So we need to make sure that what we say is important and what we actually reflect and structure and do and we show is important that it's the same thing that God wants. So let's go to the Word today, and let's see what God says is important. In Matthew 28, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus gave some instruction to us. Matthew 28 and verse 18 says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. As I see that, as we see this very familiar passage of Scripture, if you've been in church for many years, you've probably heard a message preached on this passage of Scripture. We call this the Great Commission. This is what Jesus instructed us to do. And I believe that Jesus was really showing us what is important to the heart of God. And what's important to the heart of God needs to be important in my heart. And it needs to be important in our church family. Amen, somebody. I was with a lady yesterday that is on her way very shortly. We don't know how much longer, but, um, but at some point to go and be with Jesus forever. And her family called together certain individuals to come, and they wanted them to pray with her. When I was in that room yesterday morning, praying with this family and with this lady, makes you really reevaluate things in your life. Makes you really think about things in a different perspective. Makes you think, man, look at all of these people that this lady has touched. Look at all these lives that have been impacted by her testimony. Look at all the things that she has invested in others. There were people in the room that were prayer partners of hers, that had been prayer partners of hers for years. There was one lady that was probably half her age that she had actually been investing in and mentoring and discipling because she had been showing this lady the love of God in her. She had been standing in the gap for her, praying for her, interceding for her. And this lady was there. There were also family members there, sons and daughters and grandchildren. All these people were representative of the legacy that this lady has lived, the legacy that she has invested in, the fact that she got what was important. I think that a lot of times when we see those scenarios, when we see those situations, it makes us reevaluate, almost forces us to reevaluate what really matters to God. What really matters in my life? Because a lot of times we go chasing after so many things that 
quite frankly, just don't really matter. I mean, when we're faced with the reality that it's not going to be very long before we meet our maker, what are the things that we're going to be thinking about? Who are the people we're going to be wanting to spend time with? What are the things we want to spend our time doing? I've never heard anyone that was on their deathbed say something to the effect of, oh man, just a couple more weeks and I'm going to get that new boat and I'm going to charge it like crazy. Nobody says, man, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. Nobody says, man, I sure wish that I would have gotten into all this debt over this big house that I thought I had to have. Nobody thinks about those things. Those are the things that we chase after when our perspective is skewed towards here and now and not what really matters. When we're focused on us and ourselves and here and now and we're not looking ahead and we're not looking forward, we can get very focused on very selfish things, things that we think we have to have in order to be happy and order to be fulfilled. And as I was in this room with this family, I began to reevaluate my life and the things that I think are important, the things that I place emphasis on. More importantly, not just the things I say are important, but the things that my life actually shows. Because if you and I were to write a list down of all of the things that we say are most important, most of us would probably start off with God. God is the most important thing in my life. I'm going to write that down. A lot of times we write it down because we know we're, sp we're supposed to write it down. And then the next thing we would write would probably be our family. Then the next thing we would write would, you know, probably be our job. And we would keep going on and on down the list. But if we took that list and we began to write another one side by side with that list of how our lives are structured and how we actually spend our time and what our lives actually reflect are important, would those lists match up? I think a lot of times that those lists would be very skewed. We would be very surprised to see the contrast between those two lists that we would make. But here's Jesus, and he's telling us what's really important. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to go into all the world, and I want you to make disciples of all nations. This is the main thing. This is what I want you to focus on. This is the most important thing I could give you, because these are the last words you're going to hear me say here on this earth. These are the last instructions that I'm going to give you. And so these have to carry a lot more weight because I'm faced with this thing of Jesus leaving. And I'm going, oh, well, I, well Jesus, don't leave. And he says, no, it's actually better if I, if I leave. He said, because when I leave, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit's going to come. He's going to lead you and guide you into all truth. He says, so don't worry. He says, I'm going to be with you always. He said, even to the end of the age. He said, don't worry about that. He said, but carry the weight of these words. Go and make disciples. Go and make disciples. So what I want to tell you today is that word of grace is called to make disciples. That's what we are called to do. That's what you and I are called to do. And when we understand what's really important, when we're faced with that and it becomes reality to us, it should change the way that we structure our, our lives the way we structure our time, the things that we spend our time doing, the things we spend time praying about and thinking about, things that we begin to not just say are important, but we actually begin to show that it's important. So what exactly is a disciple? We've been talking about this for the past few weeks. A disciple is a fully devoted follower of Jesus 
who is growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. And that's the simplest definition I could come up with for what a disciple really is. A disciple is not something that we arrive at and all of a sudden we have arrived. We are a disciple and there's no more growing for us. No, no, no. That's called pride. If we think we don't need to grow anymore and we think we have reached and achieved the apex of being a Christ follower, we're wrong. We all need to be continually growing. It needs to be this continual thing that we're aware of that I'm growing as a disciple that I'm still growing and understanding the love of God and it begins to influence and, and, and shape my value system. It begins to shape my heart and change my heart. Change the way that I treat other people. Change the way that I interact with others. Change how quickly I'm willing to forgive. Change how I will go about my day and carry myself. Things that I'll get involved in and things that I'll stay away from. Because when I begin to love God, I begin to understand that that, that that love that He has for me begins to influence my life, and I begin to love what He loves. And I begin to hate what God hates. And I want to love what He loves and hate what He hates. Because I know that what He wants for me is better than what I want for myself. Sometimes it takes us to the very end of our lives to actually wake up and realize that. To where we go, oh man, I've been living my life so selfishly. I haven't been focusing on what's really important. Are we going to be like this lady that I went to go see yesterday? That you could look and you could see the impact of her life. And you could see how she understood this call to make disciples. And she's still doing it to this very day. That she's investing in other people intentionally. She's helping them to grow as she's growing and loving God and loving people and serving the world. There were even family members in that room that had come to Christ as a result of this lady's testimony and her witness even in these past few months because she hasn't given up on God. She hasn't gotten angry with God. She hasn't become disappointed with Him because she knows Him and she knows He's faithful. As I begin to think about that, as I begin to think about this call to make disciples, I think that you and I need to recognize first and foremost that our primary responsibility that God has given us to make disciples is in our homes. In our homes, with our husbands and wives, with our children. That we are called to invest intentionally in order to make fully devoted followers of Jesus who are growing and loving God, loving people and serving the world. This idea that it's the church's responsibility to teach your children everything they know about the word of God and about Jesus is wrong. You and I have that responsibility. That's my responsibility as a dad. It's your responsibility as a dad. It's your responsibility as a mother. The church is definitely here to help and to encourage and to equip you to do these things. But you are primarily responsible and will be held accountable for making disciples in your own house. It's not going to be, well, the pastor didn't teach me that. No, it's going to be, it was your responsibility. Amen, somebody. Now, my job is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. And I want to equip you. I want to inspire you. I want to excite you about the things of God. I want to open the door for you, but I can't push you through. I want to open the door and show you the truth and present you with the word of God. But I can't make you sit down and eat. That's a decision you have to make. And that's what you and I also have to do in our own homes. 
We have to make sure that we are opening the doors for our family, that we're preparing the table in our family, that we're preparing the meal in our family, and we're teaching them the Word of God. We're teaching them because God has called us to make disciples, and we need to recognize that responsibility in and of our own home. But it just doesn't stop there. Making disciples, fully devoted followers of Jesus who are loving God, loving people and serving the world, also needs to happen in the context of our church family. We need to recognize that this is the heartbeat of what God is calling us to do. And in making disciples, we grow in other areas. We grow in other things because we're growing in what is God's best for you and for me because it's going to best glorify Him. We grow in marriages. We grow in parenting our children. We grow in our financial stewardship. We grow in how we treat one another, how we love one another, how we genuinely love with His love to where we will be those disciples who are known because we have His love in us. Because that's what Jesus told His disciples. The world is going to know that you belong to me, that you're really followers of me because you have love one for another. And that's why discipleship happens most effectively in the context of relationship. Happens most effectively in the context of relationship. So what we want to do here at Word of Grace is we want to go, we recognize what's most important. But we want to structure around what is most important so that our words match up with what we do. Because it's one thing to put love God, love people, and serve the world out on the wall and say discipleship is important. We can all go get discipleship is important tattoos on our face. And it's not going to make discipleship important, is it? We have to structure around that and we have to reflect those values. And we have to show that what we say is as important as what we really mean. That we want that to be reflected in what we do as a church. And so you are being invested in, in relationships, one way or another, and you need to recognize that. We need to recognize that we are in those relationships. We're in these different areas where we have influence or where others have influence on us, and it's either for good or bad. But the most effective way to grow as disciples is going to be in the context of those good, life-giving relationships. Not the ones that tear you down, not the ones that drag you down, not the ones that are investing negativity like what we talked about last week, but those relationships that are investing the love and truth of Jesus in us. Where the Bible talks about iron sharpening iron, let one man's countenance sharpen another. You and I are growing together in this thing called faith. You and I are growing together in this thing called church and we're understanding what's really important. I believe that the deepest relationship should be with family. The most absolute deepest relationship should be with family. And that's why at Word of Grace we keep saying that we are a church family. Because we believe that in the context of family we should be having the deepest relationships. That we should be having these connections with one another. That we're helping one another to grow. That we're helping one another to overcome. We're helping one another to be accountable. That we're helping one another to be spurred on to good works like Jesus told us to. And that's so important that we understand this. That's why we've been teaching all this and sharing all of this lately. This is why we keep saying that church is not somewhere that we go, but it's who we are. That we are the body of Christ. You and I are the body of Christ. And we need to learn what's important to Him. If we're going to be this church that God has called us to be, then we need to understand what is important. I want to show you something that God put in my heart 
I'm going to draw this best I can. Hopefully you'll be able to see it. God gave me this picture probably about a year ago when he began dealing with my heart about some of these things. Gave me just a big circle. Isn't that artistic? You guys didn't know I was that skilled, right? All right. Showed me this picture of this big circle. I drew this for my staff about a year ago. And all these little circles around it. And all the little circles are pointing in to the big circle. And what this represents a lot of times for the majority of churches, including the way I grew up in church, according to what I grew up understanding was important, was these were all of our little ministries. So just for example, the church I grew up in, you know, they had, you know, a youth ministry, they had a kids ministry, um, grew up, you know, with Sunday school, um, grew up with maybe some outreach ministries, um, grew up with, you know, maybe some type of addiction recovery ministry, um, you know, we have all these different ministries, and I don't know, we'll just think of two here. We'll call them question mark ministries. Okay, so they were ones where you go and ask questions, I guess. So anyways, <laughs> you have all of these different ministries. It was just, I couldn't think of any more, okay. So <laughs> you have all these different ministries in your church, and all of these ministries are here to accomplish a goal. These are all tools, they're all vehicles that the church would use to accomplish the goal. And the goal for many churches and the goal for a long time in my life was to get people to what we call the weekend services or what we really call church. Because in a lot of our minds, the weekends and church are kind of the same thing. Because we have this idea that what's really important is that we come to church. And coming to church means I show up on the weekend to a service and we sing some songs and we might take communion, say some prayers, hear a sermon, high five on the way out, and we're good till next week. And that's about the level of understanding that we have of church. And that's what we think is important. So all these different vehicles are just things to enhance the weekend or to get people to come to church, but what this what this mentality does, and what it has done, is it creates this compartmentalized view of church, and it doesn't become this thing that we understand we are. It just becomes something we go to. I mean, heck, I like going places on Friday where there's a fish fry. You can go down to Parkview Restaurant and you can get you a fish fry on Friday. And man, it's good. It's fun. You go down there, and you know that's what you do. You do it once a week. And when you're done eating, you're done. And I don't think about Parkview the rest of the week. I don't think about all the other things on the menu. I don't think about what else I can do. I may occasionally think I may go back there next Friday because I know they're going to have the same thing. That's how a lot of people view church. That's how a lot of people view their relationship with Jesus. And because of that, we have this very compartmentalized view of church that we just turn on and off. That we punch in and we punch out. If we do this, and this is what the goal is, and this is our structure, and this is our methodology as a church, and this is what's important to us, we are never going to make disciples. We're going to create consumers. We're going to create consumers who just 
have a compartmentalized view of church, that only want to be a part of church because of what it can do for them, and they never want to be a part of a living, breathing body that is going to grow and is going to be effective and has a mission and has a purpose. It's just going to be something we come to, and we're just going to try to be nice people. And we'll have very shallow relationships. We'll have very shallow connections with one another because we only see each other once a week. For maybe just a 45 minutes to an hour, if pastor's really excited, an hour and a half. <laughs> and this is our view of church. And as I begin to look at that, I begin to get very convicted about that. I'm going to put this up here, Randy. I hope you don't get nervous. We'll clean it up, buddy. But this is what the Lord showed me that Word of Grace is supposed to look like. And this is what I believe in Acts 2, New Testament church, the church that Jesus is going to build, the church that Jesus loves, I believe this is what their value system looks like. You see the big circle? You have all of these different vehicles here. I'm going to make less this time because I couldn't think of other ones. Same model, but a different value set. Here we may have our kids' ministry. We may have youth, we may have outreach, we may have some type of addiction recovery ministry, <clears throat> may have some type of groups, like small groups or something. I know you guys can't read that, but it's okay, I can. <laughs> and then the Lord told me to do something, he told me to add another circle on the outside and to put the weekend service in there or what we call church. Well, then what's in the middle? What's all this feeding into? What's all of this trying to go to? What's the goal? The goal to make disciples. In other words, this is the most important thing that we can do as a body. This is the most important thing we can do. All of these other things are simply vehicles and tools and those vehicles and tools may change. Some of those vehicles and tools may be seasonal. Some of those vehicles and tools may be weekly. Some of those vehicles and tools may require more effort and energy than others. But that doesn't make any of these more important or less important than the other because what's important is this. This is the shift that God wants us to have. This is what God is calling us to do, to begin to structure around this, to begin to structure around making disciples because this is what Jesus said is important. Actually, we get it really goofy and we get it really backwards and messed up a lot of times because we want things that, 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 that we want because we like compartmentalized because we're trying to control our lives. We're trying to put what's important in our lives that, that's going to gratify ourselves and we will often neglect and, and, and think that other things that Christ says aren't as important. And then one day we wake up and we realize, wow, I've been missing the boat been missing what's really important all along. That's why in Psalm 127, God says that the Lord builds the house. They that labor, labor in vain. They that labor, labor in vain. In other words, the way that we're trying to do church here is laboring in vain if this is our model. If this is our goal, if this is all relationship with God looks like, it's in vanity. 
And it's because of something we want to stroke our egos or make us feel important, and it's wrong. And I'm telling you, as your pastor and as the person that God has put in this church to cast vision and to inspire you and to encourage you to be a part of this family, that this is not our goal. Our goal is to make disciples. And I want to spend and be spent for the souls of men to win souls and make disciples. I want to do what Jesus called us to do. I want us to structure our value system around this. So anything that gets added on, on, in, in, on this outside of this larger circle, the goal is always this. The goal is always this. What is a disciple? A fully devoted follower of Christ who is growing in loving God, loving people, and serving the world. Look at Acts chapter 2, if you have your Bible this morning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 46. Actually, let's back up and let's just read verse 42 through 47. Verse 42 in Acts chapter 2 says, And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in prayers. You see that, verse 42? This is talking about the church. This is talking about the church of Acts. They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in breaking bread and in prayer. Then, came upon every, then fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together they all had things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. And they continued daily with one another in the temple, and they broke bread from house to house, and they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I see here this original thing called church, this this idea that was birthed from the very heart of God, that the Lord is the one who builds the house. The Lord was the one who added to the church. So it's not our job to try to add to the church. It is our job, however, to follow the command of Jesus when he said, go into all the world and make disciples. Amen? This is Jesus' idea of church, not, man, not this man-made, manufactured idea of church where we look at church as some type of corporation that produces some type of commodity that we all consume. No, that's not a corporation that produces a commodity that we consume. It's family. And that's what church is. It's making disciples. And we know disciples are best made in the context of relationships. So we have to structure our value system around that in order to see one another grow, in order to help one another grow as a church family. It's our job as disciples to make disciples. It's the Lord's job to add to the church as he sees fit. Because God desires for our church family to grow. We see that throughout Scripture here in Acts chapter 2 and verse 47. God wants us to grow. He wants our influence to increase. He wants His glory to be shown in greater ways. He wants more people's hearts to be gripped with the truth of God's Word. He wants more people's hearts to be gripped with the life-changing power of the Gospel. But you and I have to understand and grow in those things so we can show those things to others. So we can love people right where they're at. So we can love one another and sharpen one another. 
So we can, like last week, we learned how to deal with conflict. And we talked about Matthew 18. We also talked about in Ephesians where the Bible tells us to put a guard over our mouth and to watch those things that we say and not get caught up in negativity. Because he wants us to help one another, not drag one another down. He wants us to grow with one another. That's why we talked about investing on Mother's Day. Where we talked about how Timothy was invested in by his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And Paul said, I'm persuaded that that same faith that was in those two ladies is in you too because they invested. You and I are called to invest. We're called to make disciples. We're called to build relationship with one another. We're called to be a family. And if you're called to be a part of Word of Grace, you are called to grow. If you're called to be a part of this church family, you are called to grow. Not just come here and remain stagnant. Hello, somebody. We don't like anything that sits out for too long that doesn't change. Think about it. Oh, man, that meal you cooked the other day smelled amazing. Let it sit out for a few days. It will change for the worse. Because it's not, it's beginning to spoil. It's beginning to get stagnant. Just like when a, a body of water doesn't have a, a, a flow to it. When it doesn't have anything that is that, like a spring coming up. Or it's not moving from the larger source that's feeding it. And it just sits there. Begins to stink and begins to attract bugs and begins to attract all kinds of nasty junk that grows up in it. If you've ever had an aquarium, you've experienced this. If you have formerly had an aquarium and you sold it because of this reason, you're like, those things can get so gross. I love my aquarium and I love my little fish, but they are disgusting. And sometimes I just wish they would all die so I'd have a good reason to sell it. Because I hate cleaning that tank. Because when the filter may get turned off, when the water stops flowing, it gets stagnant and gross. You and I can get stagnant as believers. Things begin to build up on us. We begin to allow pride to set in. We begin to allow offense or bitterness or whatever set up in our heart. And next thing you know, we think we don't need anything and we're better than everybody else. Next thing you know, we're not looking to grow or we're not looking to change. We're not hungry for the truth. Instead, we're just kind of just here, stagnant. You know, you don't have to teach people to be hungry. I was a youth pastor for seven years and I was once a teenager myself. You don't have to teach that generation to be hungry. If you have teenagers in your home, you know you don't have to teach those teenagers to be hungry. All right, kids, we're going to sit you down and we're going to teach you how to be hungry. No, why are they hungry? Because they're growing. They're naturally hungry. Hungry is a byproduct of you growing. Are you growing? If you're not growing in the things of God, it is your responsibility to continue to press in and to grow deeper and further in your walk with God. The more you pursue Him, the more you taste and see that He is good, the more you hunger and thirst after righteousness, the more you hunger and desire Him, that, that, and, and you begin to pursue Him because you are so in love with Him and you are so just, just captivated by His love, by His truth, by your relationship and your walk with Him. 
Nobody's going to have to stand up in a pulpit and teach you how to be hungry for God. It's going to be just a natural byproduct of your growth. I've got to have more. That's why when a lot of times people first come to Christ and they first get saved, man, they can't get enough of church. They can't get enough of the Bible. Why? Because they're growing. But somewhere along the line, we stop and we get stagnant. And we look for other people to impress us, or we look for someone to say something we haven't heard before. Or we look to the Bible and we go, I just don't get it. I can't go any further. I don't know what else to do. Nothing piques our interest like it used to. Why are we all of a sudden becoming dissatisfied with the truth? Because we've stopped growing. Why do we stop growing? Because we got prideful. We stop growing because we get prideful. And we begin to shift our focus of what's important. And when we're prideful, we lose sight of what's really important. Every time we get prideful, we always lose sight of what's really important. I, I thought about this example with King David. King David was called to be the king over Israel. He was called, okay? He didn't go to king school. He didn't earn some merit badge in kingly ship. Matter of fact, God chose him and called him because he said, I'm looking at your heart, David. That's what I'm interested in. I see your heart, and you have a heart after me. And that, that because of that, I've called you out from watching your father's sheep. I've called you out to be a king. But then when the same David, who was once a shepherd boy, who once killed the giant Goliath, who once was this great man that was pursuing God, that was writing songs for him and worshiping him, one day, King David was not operating in his calling. And he looked out over the rooftops and he saw this young woman bathing. This woman's name was Bathsheba. And he said, I have a right to her because I'm the king. And because he thought he had a right to something, he missed the fact that he was called to be the king. He wasn't out at battle because it was a time of war. He wasn't where he should have been in his calling. No, he was operating out of something he thought he had a right to. And when he operated out of something he had a, thought he had a right to, he ended up sleeping with her. And then he ended up getting this lady pregnant. Well, she was married. So now what do you do, David? Well, I have a right as a king. And so my right is going to be to take her husband and put him on the front lines. So it's going to be a guaranteed thing that her husband's not going to come home. And that's exactly what David did. And then the wickedness of his heart was revealed to him by the prophet. And he began to weep and repent. And he gave his heart back to God and repented to the Lord. But the thing that caused him to fall, the thing that caused him to stumble, was his pride and his thinking that he somehow had a right to something because of his position. And he forgot for that moment that he was called. A lot of times, church, we can get caught up thinking that, oh, I'm not supposed to grow anymore. There's nothing challenging for me anymore. There's nothing for me. And we begin to think that our opinions and our views and our words, that we have a right to those things. And we begin to feel like we've somehow earned something and we somehow deserve something in the context of church and family. And then division begins to get sowed. And then, then all of a sudden, the, the, the body becomes very sick and we're not growing anymore because we're stagnant. And the reason we're stagnant is because we forgot we were called. We forgot our calling. We begin to focus on ourselves. 
and we forgot our calling. And then we begin to feel entitled. We begin to feel like we have a right to something. And God says, no, 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 I want you to always remember the only reason you are where you are in life is because you're called. Because I've called you. That would be the equivalent of our pinky toe saying, I want to be an eyeball. It's not going to work that way. I have to function where I'm called. I have to function where I'm called and grow in what I'm called to do. Amen? Because that keeps unity in the body. You don't even think about your pinky toe sometime until you stub it in the middle of the night, until you step on a Lego <laughs> or a WWE action figure that your son left out. And then all of a sudden you hurt that pinky toe and all of a sudden you're very aware that the pinky toe is there. We, don't, we may not all realize our function. We may not all realize exactly that we may, may, may not feel as important as someone else. But let me tell you something, church. God has called you to grow right where you're at. And a lot of times, if we're always chasing after something that we think we have a right to, instead of understanding where God has called us, we will never be planted long enough to grow. We got to understand, where am I called? What has God called me to do? And if he's called me, then I need to grow. And I need to be pressing in and pursuing him to grow. And that creates that hunger in me again. Stirs up that hunger on the inside of me. God wants you to grow where you are called, where you are planted. God wants all of us to grow. He wants me to grow. None of us are at this apex of being a disciple to where there's nowhere else for us to go. No, we all can continue to grow. But we have to learn where we call. What is he desiring us to do? And he's calling you, he's calling me to be disciples who make disciples. My desire as a pastor is for us to grow together by doing life together. I believe that the church in Acts genuinely cared for one another. I believe they genuinely had relationship with one another. And I want us to care about one another's walk with God. I want us to care about sharing joys and sorrows together. I want us to care and help one another grow in stronger marriages and deeper wisdom and discipline and stewarding our resources. That we help one another grow to be parents who raise their children with confidence because they're doing it God's way. Where bad habits and generational cycles are broken. I want us to grow in our understanding of who we are in Christ in understanding God's word and what he's promised. I want us to grow together in our faith and overcoming addictions and overcoming hang-ups and fear. I want us to help one another to grow and see people's lives change for the glory of God. I want us to grow in finding healing from wounds of the past. You see, when a church family gets in unity, things begin to shape. Things begin to change. There's an excitement brewing. There's something that begins to, to bring us together where we're linking arms and we're linking hearts. You see, we begin to grow in these things. Things begin to change and God begins to move like never before in your heart and in my heart and in the hearts of others. We're called to grow in making disciples that love God, that love people, and that serve the world. So I want to give you a few things before we go this morning to help put some legs to this and make sense of this new structure that I want us to embrace as a church that God has called us to. And how that looks for us as a church family. One of the things that the Lord has been putting on my heart that I've actually been working on. 
that you may not have known I've been working on for over a year and a half now since I've been here that God's just put in my heart and actually put in my heart years ago, but it never came to fruition because it wasn't the right time, but now is the right time. One of the things that God is doing that, uh, we're, we're, that, that is leading us to do is that in the fall we're going to launch something called community groups. And what we're going to do in community groups is we're going to have opportunities to get together and to fellowship and to grow and to help sharpen one another. All the things we've been talking about are going to happen in the context of these groups. I'm going to share a little bit more about the structure of all of that next week because I didn't want to get into all the detail of it. But I want to share with you about what that looks like. And I believe that that's going to be part of us. It's not going to be the answer, but it's going to be just another vehicle that God uses to help us grow in making disciples. For us to help grow and sharpen one another. For us to get to know one another and get comfortable with one another and love one one another and be there for one another and do life together with one another to where church doesn't become somewhere I go but it becomes who we are so in the fall we're going to launch those community groups and we're working on all those things and we've been just just feverishly working on those things and one of the exciting things that I, I, I that happened was when we were looking to put all of the uh, structural side to it and trying to organize it all, I, I decided to block out a whole day for our staff and we were just going to sit down and talk through all of those things that we could do with community groups, talk about how, what it would look like. And I thought this was going to be meeting one of three, you know. And uh, we blocked out the whole day. And we got the whole thing done by like 2 o'clock. And we were just enjoying being together and talking together because our staff is in such unity because we were just clicking right along and people were throwing out gold just great ideas and great things that I know were inspired by God. And so we're just in complete and total unity, and we're so excited about launching that in the fall. Another thing is that this summer we're going to have more fellowship uh, events, more times uh, for the purpose of us connecting and building relationships. And we want to provide more opportunities like that, just like Bob and Michelle opening up their home next Friday. You know, I would encourage you guys to be that, and let's just really freak them out, and let's let everybody who comes to Word of Grace show up. I mean, that would be awesome, you know. I mean, the fact that they're even opening up their home to our church. I mean, there's a potential of some 500 people showing up to their church. That's nuts. I mean, showing up to their home. That's insane to me. But it's so cool that they've caught the vision and that they see, no, I understand making disciples. I understand building relationships. I understand what's important, this context of church family. And I want to provide another avenue to just help facilitate that idea. And help build those relationships. And I would encourage you, when you go to Bob and Michelle's house, go meet somebody you haven't met. Meet somebody you haven't met before you leave here today because we're a family. And, and, and again, I, there are people that come. They're, they're spread out over three services that maybe you would be sitting next to in a movie theater or you would be behind them in line at Walmart. And you would go, I, I don't even know this person. And they could be someone that goes to church with you. And so I think that it's really cool that we have these different opportunities to connect have these different opportunities to build those relationships because they're going to be the foundation for us to invest in one another, to us to grow together to where we have the deepest relationships in the context of church. I shared this a few weeks back, but I want to share it again. I had coffee with a guy about four months ago, and he doesn't go to church anywhere, <clears throat> a guy that I met at the gym. We were just hanging out, and I've been investing in this guy, talking to this guy, one of the things that he told me, he said, uh, he said, you want to know why I don't go to church? And he said, uh, the reason I don't go to church, he said, is because I believe that church should be the place where you can be completely real, completely transparent, and where you have the deepest relationships. 
And I said, yeah, I believe that too. He said, but, he said, in most churches that I've ever been a part of, he said, that's where I don't feel like I can be myself and I feel this pressure to be someone else because I don't know if I would be accepted for who I am. He said, and then I have the most shallow relationships. And I think that's true for a lot of people, especially a lot of people who don't come to church because they don't feel that sense of family, because they don't feel that warmness, they don't feel that friendliness, they don't feel that welcoming heart. They feel judged, they feel condemned, they feel like everybody's looking at them, you know, really weird and really strange. And that's a shame that that's the reason that he doesn't go. I don't think it's a good excuse or a good reason, don't get me wrong. Because somebody might be saying, hey, I feel that way too. Maybe I won't come. No, don't do that. It's not a good excuse. <laughs> That's not a good excuse. But it helps me to understand his perspective and see maybe where the body of Christ has failed people in that area. Because sometimes the church is associated with judgmental you know, attitudes. Sometimes the church is associated with being a little cold or cliquish. But being warm, being welcome, being open, being a family. Welcoming people, loving them, right where they're at. Same way Jesus loves you, right? Right where you're at. Isn't that how Jesus loves you? Right in the middle of all your dirt and mud pies and manure. That's where he loves you. And that's what God has called us to do. Love people with that kind of love. Right in the middle of all their stinky mess, all their dirt, all their junk. All, the, all, all their shame, all their, all their hurts, all their hang-ups. Love them right there. And just love them and challenge them to grow. You're not going to stay in that mud pile. You're not going to stay in that manure pile. We're going to help you grow. And I'm going to love you. And I'm willing to build relationship with you and intentionally invest in you because I know I'm called to make a disciple. I know that's what I'm called to do. And that may be something as simple as you opening up your home to someone. That may be as simple as you going out to eat lunch with someone and becoming a friend. And the next thing you know, when something is going on in their lives, they finally get to that place where they're comfortable with you and they begin to talk to you. And they'll begin to say, hey, you know, my marriage is kind of on the rocks right now. I just want to let you know that. Don't let anybody know. I'm, I'm really kind of afraid to even say anything about that. And you let them know. No, let's pray together. I'll be praying for you. Is there anything I can do to help you? And all of a sudden, your bond gets a little deeper. And you go deeper together and deeper together. And then you're growing in the word together. And the sense of what this community group is going to look like, we're going to use a lot of those elements videos and things like that that we've been developing. We've been doing all that for a purpose. It just hasn't been for fun. Because I want to give Pastor Stephen something fun to do. We've been doing that for a purpose because we've been wanting to utilize those and see how all this is going to look and work. So that's one of the ways that we're going to move forward. Also, volunteering here at Word of Grace is up and it's on the rise. And I want to tell you guys, thank you so much for serving. You guys have inspired me that when you have seen holes, when you have seen gaps here in the church, you have said, I can do that. I can step in. No problem. Show me how to do it. I would love to help. Thank you so much for doing that. We still have other areas and other opportunities that are available that we would love for you to help with. I know that Carl needs some help back in the sound booth with the lighting. And, and, and I know that there's some help needed in cafe and there's help with the children and the nursery and other areas of the church and so I want you to pray about being a part of that and helping, helping to fill those, those voids and helping to make those ministries better and getting connected to other people through serving together. 
Man, what a great thing to do. I know that there are people in our church that I've talked to that the reason they're friends today and the reason they have those bonds and those relationships is because they worked together, because they served together, because they saw each other week in and week out, and they would do ministry and do life together, and now these people have a deep relationship that they're helping one another to grow all through just serving, all through just volunteering. So thank you for that, and I want you to pray about continually how can I be involved with what our church is doing here? I also want to thank you for giving financially to support the advancement of Word of Grace. I want to challenge you, if you're not currently contributing financially, to step up and connect to this vision, to what God has called us to. Luke 12 and 34 says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. I want our hearts to be in this. Not that we're giving because we, 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 we feel just this, this sense of, of, of negative obligation, but because we feel obligated in a positive sense because we want to be a part of what God is doing. And we want to make that thing happen. Just like our Momentum Project. You guys gave to the Momentum Project. Thank you so much for doing that. We still have that Momentum Project going on where we're still doing some renovations in our facility. But one of those things is almost finished. And on the southwest corner of our building is a room that we're almost done with. It should be done in the next week or two, and I'm going to let you know when we're done with it. This room is called the Oasis Room, and you can go check it out after service if you'd like to take a peek in it over there on the southwest corner. What the Oasis Room is going to be is a place that is going to be designated for prayer. It's going to be a place where you can also uh, learn the Word of God, where, where there will be classes and things that will be taught in there for sure. But the primary purpose of it is a place where you can go and where you can pray. Because we're going to open it up before service, about 30 minutes before the service begins, and we're going to have prayer together in that room. And we're going to utilize that. And also, Pastor Andy and I have been in talks, and we're developing a prayer ministry and a prayer team that we want to actually train people and equip people to be able to minister to one another, to grow in prayer, and to be praying for our church family throughout the week. And also during the services where we'll, we may have times in the middle of praise and worship, where we may offer prayer or, or at the end of a sermon or whatever the case may be, where there's people who are equipped and trained and who are ready to go that want to pray for you and want to minister to you and to others. And that's what this room, this oasis room, is all going to be about. It's also going to be open during the week to where maybe if on your lunch break you wanted to call the office and set up a, a time where you could just come and just be alone and you can turn on some music in that room and maybe just pray and just get alone. Maybe you just need some alone time. I know that uh, my wife, she's at home with my three kids all day. She'll probably say, come home and let me go over there. <laughs> but it's just something that we want to offer to our church family just to help us to grow. And there will also be classes in there and different things like that that we'll use for teachings or meetings and all kinds of things like that. And that will be great. But the primary purpose is for us to go in there and for us to just really connect with God and to pray and, uh, and to grow in prayer here at Word of Grace. Because he said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. Amen? We're also going to be launching leadership development classes very soon. I believe that God wants us to raise up leaders in the church. And so we're going to be intentionally investing in having leadership classes also, uh, uh, different leadership groups where uh, I've actually talked to an individual that God has put it on her heart to uh, actually start a group that would be like a monthly meeting just of people who are leaders, whether you're a business owner or you're a leader in some area or you're a volunteer leader here at the church or anything like that. We want to invest in you. We want to pour in you and help you develop as a leader. Also, what God is doing in me is I, I want to begin to invest in men in our church. I want to begin to invest in men raising up and becoming leaders at every level and us sharpening one another in that way as well. So all these things we're going to begin to uh, do and you're going to begin to hear more about. Um, 
Also, we're looking to uh, launch other ministries and ideas, but all of this, all of the purpose is not to feed this. I want you to understand. It's not to feed the weekend services. The weekend services are important. I want you to come. I like it when you come. It's a lot more fun when you're here. But the goal of all these things we're doing is not to get people to show up on the weekend. The goal of us coming together on the weekend is for us to come together in fellowship and in unity as a church family and to celebrate what God is doing in our lives and to worship Him corporately together as a family and then to hear the Word together and receive inspiration and instruction and then take it and apply it in our lives and help share it with others. That's why we do what we do here on the weekend. The weekend is just one part of what we do. It's just one of these smaller circles. It's not the end game, and it's definitely not the culmination of a relationship with God. It's important because the Bible says we need to assemble together, and it says to not forsake that. But it's not the culmination of Christianity. It's not the purpose of Christianity to get together once a week making disciples is. Making disciples is the purpose. Making disciples is the focus. So here's the thing. We're called to do so much more than just assemble together on the weekends. We are called to be the church, to edify one another, to reach and go outside of our four walls, show Jesus to the world. So next week I'm going to share more strategic details about what loving God, loving people, and serving the world looks like. We're also going to talk more about community groups and strategy for that as well. So I, I, I ask you to come back next week ready to hear where we're going as a church family as we wrap up this series called Simple Church. So I want to ask you to do something, though, before we leave. I want to ask everyone in this room to commit to taking five minutes out this week, just five minutes. Turn off the TV. That candy will crush later. Put the phone down. Those pigs will die later. Put the phone down. Facebook will still be there. Your clash of clans will still be there. Preaching to myself on that one. All those things will still be there. Put down the electronics. Turn off the TV. Get alone and commit to every day this week, please, for five minutes every day to specifically pray for the vision and the future of your church family. Commit to five minutes, just taking five minutes out and just saying, God, I ask you that you would just continue to bless our church family, that you would help me to understand my part, you would help me understand my role, you would help me understand what I'm called to do, that you would put in my heart what your heart is for our church family. Pray and just ask God to give the leadership wisdom from the board to the pastoral staff, to all the lay leadership. Everyone, help me to have wisdom, to know what you want me to do, how I can be a part and help. Help us to grow deeper in fellowship. Help us to grow deeper in this sense of community. Pray that all the strategies that you're giving to our church leadership, Lord, that those things will begin to work out smoothly and will be received well and that people will be excited to rally around those things. Lord, help us to reach out beyond the four walls of our church. Help us to know what that looks like. Help us to reach out to those who are lost and hurting. Help us to love on those who may be coming back from deployment from our military as we want to love on them and minister to them. 
Help us to minister to those families while their loved ones are away serving our country. Help us to reach the addicts, Lord, and those that are struggling and those that are bound and chained to sin that's controlling their lives. Help us, God, to reach out to the young people of Sheboygan County. Lord, those that are, uh, need that good godly influence in their life. And Lord, how can I help to make that happen? Lord, how can our church use one of the vehicles that pastor showed us to help make disciples of those young people? Lord, I pray for our children's ministry. God, I pray that even investing at such a young age, that our church is intentional about investing the goodness of who Jesus is in those young people, that they get it. Lord, even in our nurseries, help our babies to feel the love of God just pour over them. Help them to just be aware of your goodness, Lord, as we love on them with the love of God. Lord, help everyone at every age level to connect to you in some way in this thing we call church family. Pray for the vision. Pray for the future. Pray for what you're doing in our church. Pray you bless our church financially. Pray, God, that we'll have more than enough resources to be able to do what you've called us to do. And that resources won't be an issue moving forward into whatever you have for us now and whatever you have for us down the road. Just commit five minutes to say something in that vein, something, whatever God puts on your heart in that moment, to just pray for the vision of Word of Grace and where God is calling us and what He's calling us to do. Can you do that this next week? Thank you. Thank you. Would you bow your head this morning? Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit wogcc.org.